What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. All right, your Denver Nuggets are off to a 5-1 and one start on this very early NBA season. Uh, I'm once again going to reiterate what I have been telling people for the last you know, 14 years I've been covering the Denver Nuggets. Uh, there is zero point in analyzing uh, the early season until you get to about game 10-12, right around there. Um, you can see trends develop after that point, but you get a lot of weird shit happening in the early part of the year. Um, I seem to remember a Dallas Mavericks team in 2007 that started off like 0-4, 0-5 or something like that. And then they ended up winning like 67 games. Um, and then there is the, famously for our perspective, the 2013 Denver Nuggets, which started off 0-4 and won 57 games. Um, so you really can't, I mean, look at the Lakers last year. I mean, they, what was it? They were, were they two and 10, something like that? And then they ended up making the plan. It's, it's kind of pointless to analyze or project anything early in the season, but the Nuggets are five and one. Their one loss was to the, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. And, uh, that part, I'm going to get into the second half of this, but it's very clear the Nuggets do not care about playing in Minnesota. And that's, that's. Just based on their play the last several years, they kind of just loaf their way through the game and don't think much of it. And it's kind of disappointing to watch as a fan, but we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that later. Um, but the Denver Nuggets have uh, have looked like the Denver Nuggets through. I mean, not not better, not worse. They have looked like the Denver Nuggets through this early part of the season. They uh, uh, just look like a team that has played together for the last several years. You know, it's one of those traits that's kind of not trait, but it's one of those things that's hard to replicate for your average team. Playing together for a long time is just a, is just a thing. So you can kind of slot yourself in. I mean, Aaron Gordon's been here since, uh, 2021, uh, and KCP has been here since 2022. Um, you know, it, it it is hard to, um, you know, it really is hard to uh, replicate reps. And I think that's just what you see with this Nuggets team. The Nuggets are, have reps. There are some minor trends you can point out here. Uh, honestly, I'm still out on the Nuggets youth. Um, I think, I think Calvin Booth is very, very desirous of Peyton Watson being a thing. Out of all of his draft picks, he is obviously, if you hear any interview with Calvin Booth, he's going to talk about uh, uh, Peyton Watson. Um, until Peyton Watson develops better court awareness and uh, any sort of offensive game outside of five feet, um, he is going to, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. And the Nuggets really are doing a good job of hiding that, to be quite honest with you. He doesn't get a ton of minutes. Julian Strother, after showing great promise in the preseason, it just it can barely get in the game, which is to be expected, folks. Um, <laughs> this is just something that I, I, I just need to emphasize to you guys. And Michael Malone doesn't change, and he's not going to, specifically with a team that uh, you know lost Bruce Brown, lost, lost uh, um, Jeff Green. They're not going to go all in, particularly Malone's not going to go all in on youth. 
So prepare yourself for red, uh, heavy doses of Reggie Jackson, who's uh, after starting off pretty well, is kind of leveled off to who Reggie Jackson is uh, the last several games. But really, it's six games in the season. There's nothing really to glean. The Nuggets look like the Nuggets so far. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, any, any P, I mean, I, I have sympathies for all these podcasts that have to do an after game thing because they themselves probably know that there's no point in saying anything substantial because you're going to be contra- contradicted pretty quickly. Um, for good and bad. This is just the way the early season is. This isn't like the NFL where you can draw trends even after two, three games. Um, this is, uh, this is a, a 82 game season where really you take the, the, the season in chunks. There's the early part. There is the mid part, which is, I'd like to call the dregs. And then there is the, the last part, which is accompanied by teams tanking and teams pushing. Um, and, um, uh, also teams who are resting and stuff like that, you know, but you know, one thing we can talk about is the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets uh, did play their first game of their, the in-season tournament and they beat the Dallas Mavericks, which is, I think even kind of secondary to something. Um, the, the court was so bad. I had a hard time looking at it. Look yesterday. Um, for those of you who don't follow this at CSG underscore network on Twitter, um, I got a COVID shot on, uh, Thursday and yesterday I was just, I felt knock on wood, but I felt worse than I did the last time I had COVID. It was, it was that bad. I, and I don't usually react like this to shots, but um, they will tell you that if you, not to get too medical here, but they will tell you that if you've had a previous infection, sometimes the, you know, your immune system flares up and you end up feeling like crap. And I didn't feel like sick. I felt like someone ran over me with a truck basically. And it was just like, just in lifeless and I couldn't concentrate on anything. And one of the things, the side effect of this was that I couldn't record my podcast yesterday. So I'm doing it today where I feel fine. But number the part two of this is that it made, I was actually irritable looking at the court yesterday. I'm trying to think of whether my uh, being under the weather um, affected my perception of the court, but it looked and that people could reach out to me at CSG underscore network or at jmorton78 on Twitter uh, or X or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, get, get to me and tell me what your thoughts were because I just couldn't concentrate on the court, on the basketball because the court was so obnoxious. And the Nuggets uniforms are bad, so but the, this, the court itself was so obnoxiously bright. I could not concentrate on the game as much as I should have. And I had to actually watch highlights this morning after I felt better. Now, like I said, I'm willing to fully admit that the COVID shot that I got uh, influenced my perception of things, you know. I uh, I was very irritable yesterday, and I think that may have uh, probably influenced me. It was less obnoxious this morning, but it was still obnoxious. It's an obnoxious court. I don't know what the NBA is doing. And people who want to blame the Nuggets, don't blame the Nuggets. This is all NBA and Nike-mandated BS. This is not, not the Denver Nuggets. Um I, I don't I the the, the uniforms specifically the uh, the jerseys they are Nike and Nike just basically this is the last year and from what I heard this is the last year of Nike's contract with the NBA so we'll see what happens um, 
But this is the, it, it's like if you're trying to do a New Jersey every year, it, it just you're going to get into this kind of BS. And it, it just it was so uninspired. Numbers on top of numbers is bad. So, you know, long story short, the Nuggets won. And it was the first game of this in-season tournament, which I don't understand, to be quite honest with you. I, I don't care if it's here. I'll be honest with you. Um, it's just a more regular season games that you get to watch. So, um, or a different variant of regular season games. Just put it to you that way. It's kind of like the PGA, you know, cup or playoff thing that they got. Um, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's only, this is not points. This is based on victories and group play and all that stuff. The NBA is really trying to make this the thing. I did get a little irritable yesterday. Once again, COVID shut, feeling like crap induced. I was complaining about how insistent the NBA is of making this a thing to a, uh, I would say, obnoxious extent. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. And, and the Nuggets played well. They, they, the the uh, brightly colored, uh, eye-crossingly bad court didn't make them uh, play worse. You could tell the players weren't exactly thrilled to be playing on it. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, this is only during the in-season tournament game, so the game tonight against the Chicago Bulls will not be played on that court. So I'm sure everyone, every player is breathing a sigh of relief to not have to be uh, facing that court again. Um, good trends so far. Um, Jokic looks good. Michael Porter Jr. has played some good defense. Um uh, I think that's actually been more rev revelatory for everyone is that Michael Porter Jr. really has has shown a uh, propensity to improve his one-on-one -on -one defense, which is something that um, wasn't expected. His one-on-one -on -one defense is is something that is definitely part of something that he has needed to work on. And Luka Doncic and and Kyrie Irving attacked him several times. I think Luka went after him, I would say, five times last night, just directly. And Michael stuffed him every time. But Luka gets kind of gets kind of sucked into bad process. He gets frustrated, and it was kind of like something Mello used to do, where someone would frustrate him, and then he would just go at him again and again and again to prove a point, and rather than taking the path of re of uh, least resistance, that was really ringing true to me with what Luca was doing against MPJ. Um, Mike's defense has improved quite a bit, uh, and he has scored twenty four points. Um, Jamal is Jamal, and I, I, I'll say this to people: that this is not a uh, a slight at Jamal. Jamal is far too inconsistent in 82 games to to achieve what he wants to achieve there. Um, and I think there there will probably come a point in time where he's uh, he's accepting of this. Everyone acknowledges how good uh, my, uh, Jamal Murray is in the playoffs and during stretches during the season. But he is not that kind of guy because I've said this before on the podcast. Jamal Murray puts every fiber of his being into every play that he makes you can see him physically working that hard but guys who work that hard get injured guys who work that hard are prone to kind of depths you know and you could see that against minnesota where he just was not shooting well um, same thing with mike actually um but you could see that and you could see like at the same time like every 
every fiber of his being was working very hard. And when you have a play style like that, it becomes extremely hard to have consistency in 82 games. You will be streaky and it's not necessary it's not a fault it's not a not a bash of jamal and jamal needs to stop looking at it as like like that he needs to start accepting that he is brilliant when it matters which is the most important thing and he will be up and down in the regular season so um that whole that trend is hold, held true so far even though last night i think i think um, jamal had 13 assists last night which is great which is great and, and Jamal needs to take these victories and understand that sometimes sometimes there's the greater goal. And I think Jamal, once he gets to a point where he's more at ease with that, will start, stop fighting and railing against that as much as he does. He's paid a lot of money and he's valued. And I think the Nuggets fans know this and the Nuggets themselves know how much Jamal means to this team. All right, uh, I'm going to take a break. Uh, before I do, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. they got a location in Golden, uh, which is a private event uh, little place with a tasting room. Uh, they have a location in Sonoma County, California, their original location, and they have a location in Fort Collins. Uh, so, so for those of you who are in Northern California, California, Northern Colorado, well, Northern California too, um, you uh, you can check them out there. And of course, the one in the Dairy Block, is, which is one of my favorite places to go if you like are downtown or in Lodo, uh, and you're going to one of the restaurants down there, you can just... You know, have a couple of glasses of wine at uh, Blanche Family Wines and walk to wherever you need to go for your dinner. It's it's just a great place to kind of chill, relax, and have fun. Uh, it's uh, they got reds, whites, rieslings. They've got uh, anything you need from California, and their 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 Pinot is really good. Their uh, Cabernet is excellent, um, and uh, they also have the great selection of whites and uh, rosés. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com, and they are Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. There is a principle that I am going to coin here. And it's, it's called the Tim Duncan Principle. And I started thinking about this when uh, Josh, I found out that Josh McDaniels was fired by the Raiders. And there, and, and I was started thinking about Bill Belichick's struggles um, since Tom Brady left the New England Patriots. And I've been thinking, like, what, uh, what, how can we apply this? How can we apply this to every other sport? And, you know, to to give a definition of the Tim Duncan principle, it's that your best player allows you be, to be a good coach. So in most sports, I mean, in, in football is the one exception because uh, coaches have a, so much control in, in, in that sense that they are able to kind of scheme themselves into a a okay record uh and sometimes if you have some a great defense you can luck your way into a uh um a super bowl if you even if you don't have a great quarterback 
But by and large, if you want sustained great success, you need that guy. You need the guy. And it is coaches have a hard time saying that having a star or having a transcendent star makes you. Coaches tend to think that it's the other way around. And it doesn't matter what sport it is, right? It, it, it goes across every sport. But if you have a guy who is so good, so transcendent, he allows you to be the coach you are. And that was very much true with Tim Duncan. Um, Tim Duncan, as I pointed out over and over and over again on this podcast, Tim Duncan allowed Greg Popovich to be an asshole. And you've seen, actually, and to his credit, you've seen Greg Popovich evolve. Um, because he ran into something that was probably... Uh, something he knew subconsciously but probably didn't allow himself to think about was that Tim Duncan being on on the San Antonio Spurs for 20 years allowed him to do the things that he was doing. Before that, when he was a GM, oops, sorry about that. Before that, when he was a GM, he couldn't get away with that. Famously, he had a horrible relationship with a lot of the Spurs when he became GM, and I believe in the 93-94 season of the of the San Antonio Spurs, he was an unproven GM. He came out of nowhere. He was just uh, Larry Brown's assistant, basically, at that point. And um, he was the guy who went to Air Force, you know, military guy, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't have the respect. And by 1996, or was it the 94-95? Yeah, but anyway... Um, and there was the Dennis Rodman stuff, which I, he still doesn't give enough shit, get enough shit for. But he had David Robinson at that time. And David Robinson was an established star who probably, you know, took a long time to warm up to Greg Popovich. And he was basically, and I would say this, def uh, I mean, I don't know with 100% certainty, but I will say that with some certainty, David Robinson didn't begin warming up to Greg Popovich until Tim Duncan got there. Because Tim Duncan's personality was very allow. Um, they say coachable, but it was like he didn't, Tim Duncan didn't have the, his priorities were not in the personality of the coach. His priorities were doing what Tim Duncan does. So that really allowed Greg Popovich to use Tim Duncan as an example of things. And Tim Duncan, it was like water off a duck's back. He didn't care. And all, and what that did was it set the tone. And not only that, uh, Tim Duncan was a great player. Um, and what that did was, was kind of set the culture and, and, and people misunderstand culture in sports, you know, Michael Malone, um, and Tim Connolly did a lot to change the Nuggets culture after the Brian Shaw years. It was a big, heavy lift, but they did, but it's Nikola Jokic who sets the culture. Um, and Nikola Jokic is Michael Malone's savior. Um, if, if Nikola Jokic wasn't the way he was, the scenario in Denver would be a lot different, and that's okay. Uh, there is just there is just no way you can do what you're allowed to do if you didn't have the players. The same thing applies to Phil Jackson. Same thing. Same thing applies to. I mean, look at Rick Carlisle in 2011 with the with the Mavs. Carlisle was able to get some stuff out of Dirk, but Dirk was was the franchise in 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 Miami and not Miami. 
why did I say Miami? <laughs> in uh, Dallas. And Dallas was able to uh, um, thrive for several years. People forget, you know, they went to the finals in 06, didn't go back to till 11, but they were always good in the intervening years. I mean, in 09, they won 50-something games, and the Nuggets beat them in the second round that year, but they were a good team. Um, and they were always in it because of Tim was because of Dirk Nowitzki. Um, your best players set your culture. Your best players are the reason that you succeed. And the P Tim Duncan principle is that the best coaches are allowed to succeed because the best player allows the coach to be the coach. And in football, uh, what Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels forgot was that Tom Brady allowed them to be the, who they were. Josh McDaniels did not change from the coach he was in Denver to the coach he was in Las Vegas. He was still the same abrasive asshole that people tuned out by the end. And I think that part is something that is instructive for all sports in that you can rant and rave and be the biggest asshole you could possibly be and have a brilliant football mind. But if, you, if people don't like you, if people tune you out, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are because their, their own personal experience with you is that you are an asshole. And Bill Belichick was a terrible coach in Cleveland in the 90s. He goes to uh, the Jets, I think, or the Patriots. It was the Patriots. And he, he's in with Bill Parcells. I thought, was it there or was he with the Jets? And then he goes to the Jets and he's the defensive coordinator with the Jets. And he goes back to the Patriots. He's the head coach. He lucks into uh, Drew uh, Bledsoe getting injured in 2001. And in comes Tom Brady, who is perfect for what Bill Belichick wants to do. But little does he know that Tom Brady was a transcendent talent that was picked up in the sixth round. And that became the Patriot way. The Patriot way, make no mistake, was Tom Brady. Tom Brady allowed the Patriots to sign players because he took less money. Tom Brady allowed everything to happen that happened with the Patriots. Everything, every move, every signing, everything else happened because of Tom Brady. Josh McDaniels became a coach, a, a, a highly sought-after coach, because of that 07 Patriots team, which was basically Randy Moss and Tom Brady and doing their thing. And it really has, as, as you've seen with the Patriot coaching tree, it's been all been bad. It's the, the and, and you could see differently with Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan's coaching tree is vast and all of his, it seems like every one of his assistants is like kicking ass in the, in the NFL. And, and that sort of thing is like, kind of like, it makes you think, it makes you think about, about personality and it makes you think about all that. But it also makes you realize that it doesn't matter the sport. If you have the players, it makes the coach, the players make the coach. The difference with Tim Duncan was that Duncan Duncan was 100% a long lifer. He was going to play for as long as he possibly could. And when he decided that he couldn't do it anymore, he was going to be out. And then he would be go in MIA, which is basically the way he's been. He's, he's done. 
um, he he will take off and do do what he does in Tim Duncan time. But uh, uh, he played for 20 years, and not every coach gets a 20-year 20, 20 ride with a player. And Greg Popovich had 20 years with Tim Duncan. And when he retired in 2017, Greg Popovich found out that coaching was not nearly as easy as it was, and he had to adapt. He had to change his personality. Um, and what that has done is kind of allowed him to buy time until Victor Wimanyama have had come into the years. I mean, if people don't remember this, it was a couple of years ago, Greg Popovich was seriously thinking about retiring. His wife had died. He wasn't, you know, this was, this was, they were close and he stayed on and now he's got Victor Wimanyama and, you know, he may have lucked himself into another transcendent star because of that, which will in turn make Greg Popovich look brilliant. And that is okay. And the best coaches understand that the best players make them, right? Uh, Phil Jackson understood that. And people give Phil Jackson a ton of shit because of the the various things he has said post-retirement. But in the grand scheme of things, Phil Jackson was Phil Jackson because he understood player ego. and But he also understood that he was only as good as his best players. Um, there's a documentary going on on the secret base, which is the one part of Vox that I will give credit to. Um, that really is going on to some detail about some of the nightmare that Phil Jackson has had trying to coach Kobe and Jack. And, you know, look, it's, it is some of the best coaching is ego management and that should not be undersold ego management is huge in a league where stars matter so we should feel lucky here in denver that we have nikola Jokic, who is a low low uh man low maintenance star and low maintenance stars are are not only no low maintenance star low maintenance superstar who is a basketball savant those people are rare those people are not found every day. And we as Nuggets fans should be 100% happy that we, he is here. I don't think he will play 20 years like Tim Duncan did. I don't see any indication that he will. But we got to appreciate him while he's here, folks. Because the player makes the coach. And I think, to his credit, I think Michael Malone understands that. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. Uh, I'm going to try, and this is just me saying this now, I don't know for sure, but I may try to go up to three, four a week here of CSGs. Um, and I'm going to be doing something special here soon, and I'll be talking about that on the timeline. But uh, thank you all for joining me there, and I'll be back, well, a couple days with another episode. Goodbye.